She wounds you as a rose will wound you, not with her thorn. A rose will always wound you with her beauty. Welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast, where we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. We take a look at it. We analyze it. We look at things that we liked and enjoyed about the episode, lessons that we learned from it. We're glad to be here. I'm Ethan Maestri. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. You know, Ethan, I'm glad to be here, too. I'm glad you mentioned that. You realize this is episode 53 for us. Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, I gotta say... I've been having a really good time doing this uh, as part of the show, and especially being able to do this with you. You know, I'm I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. It it really makes me happy. Yeah, that I didn't carry out that hit that I was hired to do by the the previous mm-hmm. podcast host that I that I worked with. What? Well, yeah. Um, had I never? I hadn't brought that up before, had I? No. I was hired to kill you. You remember we had that little gun exchange I do. in the I, first episode. I very vividly remember that, I, but yeah. I, I thought it was about something else completely. Um, no, the the fact was I, I was hired by a, a former podcast host huh. that I worked with. Um, I was hired to kill you. Okay, well, I guess that makes a little more sense. Makes me glad I, I brought I, I my I nine. Guess, yeah, oh. yeah um, I meant to ask you about that. I mean, I understand why I had a weapon. Uh, in that first episode, but why did you have your nine mil with you? I didn't know you. Fair enough. Well, moving on, <laughs> we'll get into our episode. Uh, what'd you say this was? Episode 53? 53. Yeah, 53 episodes now. And this one is, And Your Heart Will Fly Away. That's the episode we're looking at this week, Ryan. Mm-hmm. You have a summary for us, but before we get to that, why don't But I- first... <laughs> why don't we do a little booby trap yep (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's fine that's fine uh let's do a little bit of trivia what do you say i say yay okay he said yay this episode and your heart will fly away was written by michael cassut he has writing credits for the 1980s television series the twilight zone he also did max headroom he has actually uh five Listed credits as a writer for Max Headroom, which I thought was an interesting little uh, little thing to make note of there. Also, episodes of uh, Sequest 2032, mini episodes of Beverly Hills 90210, the Farscape series he wrote for it, Stargate SG-1, and currently he's a writer and producer for the Z Nation television series. This is his only writing credit in Andromeda. Just want to bring that up right here. We may or may not discuss that again at a future point in this episode. So, put a pin in that? Um, I hesitate to say so, because when we say we're going to put a pin in it, we forget mm-hmm. to talk about it. So, let's just ignore it okay. and see if it comes back. Okay. <laughs> I like I like that idea. Okay. Uh, 
we have a couple of guest actors as well. One of those being Jordy Johnson. And he plays Bartolome Naz in this episode. He is a staple of television, basically in Canada and somewhat in, in uh, North America, and has been since the 80s. He has a very long list of credits, including a lead role in the Dracula the Series television show from 1990 and a role in the 1996 film The English Patient. Layla Johnson, she plays Desiree Delane. Is it Delane or Delaney? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that we have that clear, her first credit is in the 1989 movie The Siege of Firebase Gloria. It's a Vietnam War flick. From there, she appears in such uh, genre episodes uh, or genre television series as Weird Science and The Dead Zone. Interestingly, though, her final listed credit comes in the year 2010 in the direct-to-video title Lure. So that's our guest actors for this episode. A couple of more points to bring out. The opening quote of this show is attributed to Harry Martinson. Now, this is an actual individual from literary history. He was a poet uh, from Sweden, um, born in 1904, died in 1978. He was awarded a joint Nobel Prize in literature in the year 1974. Uh, Sadly, his death, like many a poet, uh, is mired in tragedy, as he committed suicide in 1978 by committing Harry Carey. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. And we're not going to go into the details of what that is exactly, but um, suffice it to say, it's not a pleasant way to go. Cubs win! (laughs) Cubs win! Have a little respect, Ryan. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Uh. Now, it also wanted to bring up the point that Desiree is located on the planet Elba 9. Elba being a reference to the island in the Mediterranean Sea where Napoleon Bonaparte, that is, that one, that Napoleon, the Emperor of France, was exiled to that island of Elba, or to the island of Elba, in 1814, only to escape from there and return to France in 1815. So, I thought that was an interesting reference for a planet. Uh, referencing uh, a little bit of history there. And that's what I've got for trivia, Ryan. Why don't we segue from that straight into our summary? Have you got one for us? I do. All right, let's do it. Harper is playing with some new toys, and Dylan tells him it's time to put them away. Just when the Andromeda has an intruder on the command deck. A stormtrooper ninja comes at Dylan, and after an impressive showing, is finally bested. But he doesn't die, rather falls into thousands of tiny black marbles. Also, Tyr steals a slip fighter, and the Andromeda receives a message from a beautiful but unknown woman. So, Harper analyzes the little marbles left behind from the fallen stormtrooper ninja and is able to deduce that they are some sort of dark matter technology able to take the form of matter in any shape or size. For example, if someone wanted to make a 700 meter tall image of Dylan floating in space. Oh, hey, there's one right now. The image raises its force lance at the Andromeda, and Dylan orders to fire, and then it disappears. It's clear that someone is trying to get a message to Dylan. But who? Enter Bartolome Naz. Yep, right there on the Andromeda, slipped in totally undetected as they were all distracted by the giant floating Dylan. Okay, it's about time we get some exposition. Bartolome explains, he is a sophisticated weapons designer, including the Eidolon tech that has been griefing them so much this episode. The woman in the message was his former lover, Desiree, who grew tired of him, so his natural reaction was to order a hit on her. 
he hired Tyr to kill her. This was before we knew him, of course. But instead, he fell in love with her and hid her on Elba 9, which is where we are all going now. Down on Elba 9, Tyr finds Desiree, and shortly after, Becca and Harper find them both. Meanwhile, the Andromeda is trying to evade a death machine called the Aatrox, an asteroid-based weapon designed by Bartholomew guarding the planet. They buy some time in low orbit, but it's only temporary, and they need to find a way to defeat the Aatrox. Why not use some of those Eidolans against it? With everyone now on the Andromeda, Bartholomew is persuaded to help program the Eidolans to defeat the Aatrox. The plan is successful, and the Aatrox is destroyed. Meanwhile, Desiree sneaks up on Bartholomew and is about to kill him with her crystal gun when Becca mistakes her for an Eidolan and shoots her. It should be a fatal shot, if not for the big reveal that she is, in fact, a Nietzschean. Dun-dun-dun! She survives, Bartholomew is remorseful, and Tyr starts picking out curtains for their new Elba 9 home. Except Desiree, who is actually Medea Camry out of Isabella by Zarathastra, a Kodiak, would rather live in hiding, posing as a human, than live on the run, even with Tyr, her childhood sweetheart. The end. Seemed like you worked pretty hard to get that one surmised uh, so concisely. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't that hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. I'm glad to know it was painless. I said it wasn't that hard. <laughs> I know. I left that door open mm-hmm. for you. Hey, we got a lot to talk about here. Okay. By way of uh, observations and things we've learned. Um, I, I want to come back to it in things that we've learned about the Andromeda universe, but I just wanted to bring up the, as an observation first, privacy mode? Yeah, my first note. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How could you not have it? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Becca's reaction during that little uh, exchange they had? I think it's understandable. Um, I also wonder what it is that she's been doing that she's maybe now concerned that Dylan knows about. Whoa, whoa! We want to keep this family friendly. Well, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Flash. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, yeah, she definitely had a look mm-hmm. where she was a little bit concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, well, like I said, I, I want to I come back to this when we talk about what we learn okay. about the Andromeda universe. So, definitely, let's put a pin in that okay, and come back to it. Okay, I'm put a pin in that one right <laughs> yeah. here. I've done the same thing. Okay. Um, crew. Did yeah. you did you see the crew? Yeah, they're there. They're present. They're active. They're not doing much. To they're help not. The ship. They're not doing much. Uh, Bartholomew just strolls right onto command deck, yes. and what's about three or four of them put their weapons on him, <laughs> stand there for about forty five seconds, and then they just wander away. Yeah, yeah. Did you happen to catch that? Oh yeah. It's not just that they're not there anymore. Here's the thing: you actually see them walk, walk away. away. Yeah, I. When I first started watching the episode for the first time, I thought they were his crew coming on board with him. Yeah, I I kind of wondered that too. But then, yeah, you, you see in the subsequent rewatches, yeah, they walk away like, mm-hmm. hey, we're no longer needed here. Dylan's standing in front of him. Okay, see, that's kind of what worries me because we've had these discussions about the Commonwealth and how they seem to view Dylan. I think that he seemed like a threat to the ship. Yeah. So they're on high alert. Oh, he's just going after Dylan? He's, no, but he's fine. No biggie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan, did you watch this episode with headphones on? No. You did not? Okay. 
because I had to back it up several times. What did what did Desiree say in that hologram? Okay, so I don't know, but I also backed it up. Okay, um, was I she thought, talking a different language? No, no, she wasn't. It was it was something she was speaking in riddles. I don't know. I think she was drunk. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> when I was watching it. Um, I actually had both of my kids were sitting right there next to me making noise. Okay. And so I thought I just missed it because of the noise. Right. So I backed it up and I listened very carefully. No, it was, it was gibberish. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. yeah. They were words. I could, I could make out the words, but I, I didn't understand what she was saying. Was it the same words that they utter to each other like toward the end of the episode, the, the lovey dovey speech? I want to say it was it was she she was saying that, but it was so gar. Mm-hmm. The audio was so poor, <laughs> which is kind of ironic considering it's three thousand years in the future. You think they'd pick up perfect, perfect sound? Yeah. Well, I mean, consider her environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wind blowing in the mic or something. Yeah. Okay. Or something. Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe an ion storm or random space phenomena. Data packet loss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. I can let that go. It's just I, I I backed it up several times and I could not make out exactly what she was saying. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Um, I have a question about Elba Nine. Yeah. Did I misunderstand? Did I misunderstand this prison planet? Yes. Prison population one. <laughs> well, population one in her area of the planet. Okay, because Bartholomew makes the uh, the ex- gives us the exposition mm-hmm. that people can well the old roaches check in they don't check out right that's basically how this planet operates right and and I would like Bartholomew to go back and watch a rose in the ashes from season one <laughs> yeah because mm-hmm. he thinks Dylan can't get off a prison planet wrong wow. wrong he has already proved wrong mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm just going to bring this up in observations now. I liked the floating dark matter nerds. Yeah. You remember nerds candy? I do. That, mm-hmm. That's instantly what I thought. Nerds that's candy. That's good. Hey, I'm going to say, hold on. Nerds. Okay, now take that. Take yeah. that sound bite. I want you to cut it and replace every time I said marbles in my summary. Okay. Can you do that? I can do that. Uh, we're rewriting this now. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was my thought when I saw uh-huh. those things floating through the. Field. I'm like, "Hey, nerds, candy! This was all." <laughs> and I and I even liked the blue color. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the best. T- the blueberry, yeah, I think it was blueberry. There's no bad nerds. You're right. Mm-hmm. There's You're- some bad jelly beans. <laughs> yes, there are. But those jelly beans wouldn't have worked in this case. No, nerds no, I don't with think perfect so. size. Mm-hmm. And even when Harper's like playing with them on the petri dish or whatever it was that he had there. Yeah. Oh man. Look, I- I want nerds. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I grab a box for this recording? I don't know. We'll have to get some later. I missed the boat yeah. on that one. Nerds. <laughs> and then just as a follow-up to that, uh, so it creates these nerds come together and form an Eidolon. Did I miss something? They were referencing them as Genite warriors? Yes. So so Eidolon yes. is what it actually is. It's mm-hmm. a manifestation by this dark matter material, mm-hmm. right? That's what they call it, is an Eidolon. Mm-hmm. But it's manifesting itself as a Genite warrior. Right. So 
when did we get Jedi warriors like this? Did did they show up in the one where the Jedi's showed up? I don't remember seeing this armor. No, but uh, we have them now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. Yep. All right. Okay. So those are Jedi, what Jedi warriors right. will look like. Right. We don't have to know what they look like because they just told us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting the feeling we're going to see Jedi warriors in a future episode. Hmm. Interesting. Really? Really? I nailed it. Nailed. I called it. I said interesting. Right. You're taking a lot from that. I am. <laughs> I'm taking it and I'm running with it. Okay. So that's what Jedi warriors look like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. I will save that for future reference. All right. You know, going back to our uh, our original um, opening bit, when we very first started this show, yes. back in season one, and we, yes. we referenced it just now, uh, we're having fun. He wasn't really trying to kill me, <laughs> right? Sure. Well, it occurs to me now that really, I didn't need to bring my gun. I could have just brought my quartz crystal from my rock collection. Desiree certainly... Uh, appreciates uh, what is the the new age crystal power? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems like an effective weapon. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. It, not a not great to aim though. Well, maybe that's just her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, inde- undetectable from what whatever direction you shoot it from, because Harper had no clue. <laughs> well, Dear, did you just shoot at me? <laughs> I love Tears' response in that. I guess you'll never know. <laughs> Um, is Harper the one that analyzed the Zapruder film? The what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, from the grassy knoll. Yeah, but a little behind it to the to the, to the left. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Okay, and that's why there's no conclusive okay answer. Bartolome needs a new hairdresser. Yeah, just a quick observation. Mm-hmm. On that. Uh, that that hair up top, that's a little nappy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess a couple of couple of other things I wanted to bring up, just as quotes. Um, how was your trip to Elba Nine, Becca? Stupid. <laughs> I liked it. I laughed. I chuckled. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was a very sixteen uh, year old type response. Mm-hmm. It felt like to me. I liked it. Uh, and then finally, when they're being attacked by the Aatrox, and um, it's tracking every movement, was the quote. It's ignoring the slip fighter. I'm wondering, which is it? Is mm-hmm. it tracking every movement? Because if it's ignoring the slip fighter, it's not tracking every movement. I'm just saying. Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. finally, finally, they're going up against the Aatrox. Uh, why doesn't Bartol- Bartolome just deactivate the thing? He just says it cannot be defeated. He's the guy that built it. Or he had it built. Mm-hmm. He designed it. He built it. It's his personality that's that's running the AI, or that the AI is based off of. It stands to reason that he would have a back door to be able to keep himself safe. Or is he just that nuts? Um, where he's like, I want to see if Dylan can take this thing out. Yeah, I think he's that nuts. Okay. Because if it's modeled off of his own personality, he will not be defeated. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is that is a, a, a good point. Mm-hmm. The guy is nuts. Yeah. Did not even create a backdoor so that he he could keep himself safe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Get a new hairdresser. <laughs> Crazy man. <laughs> well, that's what we got for observations in this episode. Let's uh let's move on from there and uh let's discuss 
what we learned about uh, our characters and uh, about the Andromeda universe itself from this episode. Okay. What do you got for us? Well, since we put a pin in, do you want to go ahead and start with the whole privacy mode thing? Absolutely. Okay. Let's, let's go there. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, you know, um, Dylan's explanation, uh, this is a warship. Mm-hmm. No room for for privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if something is amiss, we need to know right away. I don't personally have a problem with privacy mode being overridden. I'm not that type of person to where it's, you know, I I feel like I have things that I need to hide, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm on that ship and that's the situation and Dylan can immediately draw the curtain down and know exactly what's happening in my room when I'm in there or not, um, you know, I personally don't have a problem. I think it's interesting, though, that uh, people like Tyr or Becca are on this ship. They trust Dylan with their lives, and yet when it comes to that, that's it's like uh, I mean, nothing is brought up in an argument at that point. But you can see the expression on Becca's face, mm-hmm. and you you would know Tears' reaction would be negative if if he was standing there and found out that Dylan could just see what's going on in his room anytime he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting dynamic to kind of introduce into the show, and I don't know if they're going to continue to. Um, if they're going to continue with this in, in future episodes, if it's going to come up again. But I think it's interesting that the crew now has a reason to look at Dylan and be perhaps a little bit suspicious hmm. of him. I, I, I just thought that was interesting, just the way it was reacted to and how quickly it came up and how quickly it was dismissed. Mm-hmm. And, and we moved on from the idea that it presents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it could have just been because plot. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, honestly, the question that comes to my mind is why even have privacy mode? I mean, if if you can just override it, how is that any difference than not having a privacy mode and just deciding to look in? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. What what but, does? But I think I think what's interesting here is they're on a warship, mm-hmm. so the concept of privacy really shouldn't be something that anybody should expect to have. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, um, why wasn't that in a disclaimer or a waiver that that Becca and crew signed when they came on board? Hey, this is a warship. If I need to know what's going on, I'm going to find out what's going on. So you really don't have any privacy. You, you can turn it on, but I can turn it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, why would, would that have helped this situation? Well, because I don't think that if... If your crew is going to be doing something that they want to hide in a privacy mode, you don't want them to know that it can be overridden. That way they can go ahead and do the thing they're not supposed to do, and then you can catch them. (laughs) Yeah. There's something else. There's another aspect to this that I think is interesting. And, And that is, if you can override privacy mode, that means there's something that Andromeda is doing to continue to record what is happening in said rooms, right? Hmm. Yeah. So there's a record there that... It's not like just turning the camera back on. Exactly. Exactly. There is a constant recording, and it's just a matter of, do you take the firewall down and let someone else see it? Mm -hmm. Or does that just stay a private file, right? Mm -hmm. Which totally comes brings me back around to a couple episodes ago, where there's a guy 
completely isolated <laughs> in Andromeda. Is there a recording that just nobody knows where it is? They don't know how to access it now? It just it brings up some interesting ideas about how data is recorded and stored, and and then how it's accessed again. Yeah. Eh, anyway, hmm. just an interesting concept. I thought we could discuss a little bit here. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? There are different ways to look at it. Sometimes, if a person um, is is opposed to surveillance. It's not always because they are doing something that they shouldn't be doing. It's, okay. it's more a matter of, I have this right to privacy, and you're just not respecting me as a person. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Becca, her reaction may be, well, I'm sure it's not, I'm doing something wrong, but what if I want to? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I can very much see that being her, mm-hmm. her initial thought. Right. And... You know, personally, I know we don't get into our own personal views a lot, but me, I hear all this stuff about all of these devices. They're all watching you all the time. And I'm like, I don't care. Enjoy the show because I'm not doing anything wrong. (laughs) You know, it's like the NSA probably knows about these podcasts before we actually release them. I think so. Yeah, Because they're recorded on our phone sitting in the room next to us here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But I don't care. Right. You know, Um, but maybe I should. Because you never know. Well, what if these what if these entities uh, become corrupt, and now all these things that you see as they're protecting you, and then it turns into now they're working against you. Yeah, you know. And, and I'm I'm again I'm not saying this is my view, but this is I've heard this. Right. I personally don't care. Whatever. But who knows? I mean, if that changes, then maybe I will care. Right? right, just like Becca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting that we're having the, this conversation now in the age of smartphones and, and possible uh, surveillance by our smart televisions and whatever else we have in the house. Um, now, and, and I'm thinking about when this episode came out, 2002. Yeah, uh, fall of 2002. Um, so this is post 9/11. This is during the Afghanistan war, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, Iraq is probably about to kick off. We're still a few months away from from invading Iraq. And it seemed to me, if I remember my timeline, that after the invasion of Iraq, that's when the whole, uh, all of the, the mm-hmm. rendition and special laws that gave the the sitting president at the time power to be able to make sweeping changes to surveillance and things like that. Mm-hmm. All of that was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it was what? Five, six, 2007, something like that. When all of it started to come to light. So it's interesting that we have this episode where this, just this couple of seconds of, Oh, you can take away surveillance and I can't do anything about it. That this gets brought up. Just as it's about to actually start happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I just think it's interesting timing on that. So, I I joked about it a little bit earlier in observations. Um, I'd like to just take a minute just to actually kind of talk about this a little bit more seriously now, this time. Um, Talking about the crew um, pulling their weapons on Bartholomew. Oh, the the inconsequential background crew. Right. Okay. And then they're gone. Yes. Okay. 
And then later on in the episode, we have Bartholomew, who is lying in wait and ready to kill Tyr. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of surveillance, <laughs> why is there not constant security and surveillance on this guy? Yeah. At all times. Yeah. He just slips away. You know why? Why? Because plot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Hold on. Let me write that down. Yep. Keep a note on that. No, it, that is a T. Okay, it's a because. It, all right, it's been a while. Uh, how far are we into this episode? Yeah, we're we're about thirty minutes into our discussion here. We've not talked about Star Trek. Do we? Do we need to talk about Star Trek? Well, I just want to bring it up in passing here. Just okay. it, would this have happened on the Enterprise? Would a arms dealer with bad hair <laughs> and a mobilized floating wheelchair? Uh, would he have been allowed to just freely roam about the corridors of the Enterprise um, with, with, without an escort? 1701 or 1701D? Either one of them. Okay. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, you're right. It, it They have a crew. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, what happened to the the, the robots that were walking around? It, did they all wear out and now this is why we have a crew? They've been replaced? Hmm. Well, that's quite the turn of events. Robots replaced by humans? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is a good day for humanity. I guess so. <laughs> uh, but anyway. No, yeah, at the I very think least, we just haven't seen them. Okay. They're still okay. there. Yeah. At the very least, though, there should be at least an android there mm-hmm. to have eyes on right. said arms dealer right. mm-hmm. with bad hair. Just one inept guard. That's all you needed right? to keep tabs, and then he would not be in the... Uh, Jeffrey's tubes building weapons right. out of ship actually components. this this takes care of the whole thing. Go ahead and do. I say that jokingly, but yeah, let's go ahead and put one inept guard on him. He can by whatever means necessary. He gets away from that one inept guard, and now he's free to do all of this because Dylan and the rest of the crew believes that he's being taken care of. The inept guard is in a booth. In a, is in a booth watching when. <laughs> When Bartholomew engages privacy mode. Right. <laughs> and then just floats out of the room. And, right. And the guard is sitting there eating or uh, drinking uh, <laughs> Jolt Cola or whatever. Sparky Cola. He's drinking Sparky <laughs> Cola and thinking everything's fine. It's the scene from the Holy Grail when the young prince is tying the note to the arrow. And the whole time, the guard, by played by Eric Idle, is just standing there smiling and nodding. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. Okay. Now that we've written that scene. Okay. (laughs) Uh, How about splinter imaging technology? Hey, that's pretty cool, huh? It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Wish uh, Dylan had known about it. It would have been helpful Mm -hmm. if he had had a briefing Mm -hmm. before Harper put it into play. Yeah. So, uh, Tyr was able to escape because of splinter imaging technology. Uh, Multiple imaging echoes. Uh, heading off in opposing directions. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool stuff. Well, this is not the first time Harper's come up with something really cool like this. Like, he's got the uh, the giant footprint. Yes. Um, back in, way back in season way one. Way back, D minus zero. Was that it? I think so. Okay. I think that's where, and then reconfigured it mm-hmm. to uh, open a, a portal. Mm. Yeah. That's right. That's, did. It was the same device. Mm-hmm. Or looked like the same device. Yeah, it was a little spell and speak thing. (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. The cow says. (laughs) I would like to see one of those. Yeah, so splinter splinter imaging technology is pretty cool stuff. 
Um, and then one other little gadget we got. Little gadget. The Aatrox. <laughs> little gadget. Little yeah. gadget. What do you think of that? Uh, an asteroid converted to a fortress moon mm-hmm. that is able to travel in slipstream. Yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing I find about this is that Bartolome has augmented its AI with his own intelligence. Right. And I guess it gives the explanation that it's because of his superior intellect, I guess, that this AI is able to navigate slipstream. Yeah. I mean, it's supposedly it actually has a human brain. An actual human brain. That's what I got from it. Because we established way back in the first season that mm-hmm. that was how the consensus of parts was able to navigate right. slipstream. Right. So there was a rule there. It Ew. had to have a physical brain. Ew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ew. And I guess if that's the case, I, I, I kind of missed that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking if he just uploaded his intelligence into the computer, they're kind of breaking the rule. But you're saying that it seemed to indicate that there was an actual mind. Yeah, there's some the sort of a biomechanical thing going on okay, here. Okay, well then that kind of makes it a little bit better. Okay. Um, but yeah, he basically creates a little miniature Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty deadly. Got taken down fairly easily. Yeah, well, and it's extremely smart, and it's also really stupid. Blind. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be blinded quite easily. Well, here's my issue with it, right? Okay. okay. So, this thing is guarding the prison planet. <laughs> yes. And then... Leaves its post. <laughs> yeah. Andromeda comes and, you know, shakes the shiny thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's gone. Yeah. Chases it. <laughs> Chases it through slipstream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand they wanted to have action. And, okay, but this just felt like 10 minutes of filler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a little bit of a thrill, mm-hmm. some flashy lights, some explosions, but ultimately I'm still not convinced that there was actually a physical brain. I, I mean, I still feel like they kind of broke their own rule with this thing for the sake of getting 10 minutes of, of action. Yeah, well, let me see exactly in my in my summary, how did I word it? Yeah, I basically sum it up in one sentence. I say the plan is successful and the Aatrox is destroyed. That's really all you need to know. That, yeah. That's all that happened. Because plot. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm just saying we're we're starting to for the sake of getting an episode every week, um, it feels like we're starting to dance dangerously close to that line of stepping on previous episodes and kind of rules that have been set up okay okay we're playing fast and loose clarify for me again what is it that they're that are playing fast and loose with on this that there has to be a a a, an actual bio biological mind Mm -hmm. in control right and i don't feel like they to me uh in in several watchings i don't feel like i got the impression that that was actually on board the aatrox Hmm. But, okay. But you did. So I guess I'm just not seeing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree <laughs> with you on that one. Right, okay. So, I mean, it, you you mentioned the consensus of parts, and that's really what I think is going on here. It's, okay. the, same, it's the same principle. Same okay. thing, really. Yeah. In fact, maybe even... Okay. That's what I felt like had to be in yeah. place mm-hmm. for this to actually work. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't feel like they did a great enough job of 
convincing me right. that that was the case. I would love to have seen a uh, a cut scene right before you know a commercial break mm-hmm. where you see the thing floating in the the vat of water mm-hmm. and you know flashing lights around it and stuff like that. That would have been cool. Flashing lights would have been cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe like the little okay. remember crane. The, the, the brain, brain looks great sitting there. In the, can we put a little more flashing lights around it? <laughs> yeah. That, there we go. That's good job, guys. Mm-hmm. Art department. Good job. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what about the people, Ethan? I think we got quite a few uh, people to talk about in this episode. We, we've got love triangles. We've got yeah. people. We've got uh, crew mm-hmm. that doesn't stay, stick around very long. Yeah. I yeah. think we're done talking about them. Are we? I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Until next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? If if I may, I'd, I'd say let's go ahead and start this off with Bartholomew. Let's go. All right. So, one word. Describe Bartholomew. Angry. Pretty good. Okay. Um, insane. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's an angry, insane person. Yeah. Okay. Man, I mean, what is at the root of this guy's problems? I think this whole thing with Desiree is a symptom of something much deeper. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I can sum it up for you okay. by going back to the well okay. of Star Trek. Okay. I want my pain. I need my pain. Uh, I feel like that's where he's coming. That's his motivation. Okay. Pain is the focal point of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it he has that the, the, the disorder? Mm-hmm. That he has all the money in the universe and all the intelligence and the resources to be able to get the treatment that he needs so that he can walk around and be a, a healthy individual. Okay. Right. Uh, function com- completely on his own. Okay, he chooses not to do that. Yeah, he has that pain of his circumstance, and he holds to that, and then that fuels uh, a lot of the decisions that he makes. Hmm. Is that what's going on with that? With that decision? I feel like that was part of it. Yes. Okay. Well, because Trance touches on it there at the end when she confronts him with the question. If you can stand up and walk, can you let her go? Mm-hmm. Or maybe she said it the other. Maybe I, maybe I flipped it. But anyway, that's that's she links the two. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of gives a look that the look didn't really tell me anything. But then next thing we know, he's getting the treatment. Yes. I'm not even really sure where I'm going with this. I'm just I'm trying to walk. I'm trying to talk my way through what I saw happen. To try to figure out what is the link between the two, if if he is finally willing to let Desiree go, does that just flip a switch in his brain so that all of these things with which he has been torturing himself, he can let all those go to now? I think we understand that uh, the reality that we all deal with from day to day is it's impossible for a person to just make that snap snap decision and then everything that is at the root of their problems just disappears because they decided to let it go. I feel like that's the kind of the lesson that we take away from this episode though, is you have to let go of certain things. You have to let go of pain. You have to let go of a love that's lost or something like that. And it's not until you're able to do those things that you start to be healthy again and start to behave in a healthy manner. You have to do those things. And I think that's what this episode kind of shows us with Bartholomew. Okay. Is he, he's held on to that pain, that anger, and that has fueled decisions that he's made. 
And it isn't until he decides to let them go that he begins to heal. Okay. That was kind of the lesson that I took away from this. Okay. So, let's take two different snapshots. I'm going to ask you the same question about these two different snapshots. Bartholomew in scene one, or act one, and then Bartholomew in the closing act. Okay. Okay. Act one. Is he a good good guy or a bad guy? Villain. Okay. Act five. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? He's still an arms dealer. Okay. Uh, I don't trust him that he's going to be, you know, helping out fellow human beings from this point forward in his life. But he's not as much a villain at okay. the end of this episode. So, do you believe that we see real, genuine growth and change in this character? I think in the 42, three minutes that we're able to be with this character, yeah, mm-hmm. I th- I genuinely feel like you're supposed to come away from this episode thinking, this guy's going to be different now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it a matter of, because he's he's he deals in arms, right? Now... Those are faceless victims, for the most part. Yeah. Um, could this be one of those same kinds of situations where, uh, when, when, for example, when Tony Stark finally saw the faces of the victims of his weapons. Another fictitious arms dealer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that forced him to change his attitude about the way he does things. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't had this face, even though he very well knows the face. He orders this hit on this woman that he loves, mm-hmm. and he's fine with it. Yeah. I mean, he was he was heartbroken, but he's fine with it. Even when he's relaying the story to the rest of the crew, even at this point, he's like, yeah, this is what I did, and I would do it again. That's kind of the, that's the attitude that I was getting from him. Okay. I did this. Um, okay, I loved this woman. She left me. So, naturally... What do you do? You order a hit on her, right? Right, guys? Am I right? Dylan, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. I, I think you're kind of ignoring the fact that he, he does talk about how he grieved for her. It it broke him. Yeah. And I feel like this episode, is we're able to come, we're able to see him come to that moment where he realizes that hurt that he had, that he felt the mourning and, and the loss. Mm-hmm. It's come to its fruition at that point. Yeah, he ordered the hit however many years ago or months ago. I, I don't even know what the timeline is for this. Years. Okay. Because this was before we ever knew any of Before we knew Tyr. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Apparently before he was working for Gerontex. Yeah. Yeah. I hated Gerontex. <laughs> Talk about carrying some pain and some heat, <laughs> some anger with you. I there. need my pain. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I understand now. Yeah, okay. See, that's so all it moving takes. on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, but I, I feel like we're we're coming around, um, and we're we're meeting Bartolome at the point where yes, he ordered that hit, but now after years of carrying anger over what he knows has happened, he's realized the futility of it. He's realized, you know what? I need to move on from this. That's that's where I felt. I I, 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 I felt okay. like I saw that that happen with this character. I still think that it's only after being confronted with the face of his victim. Okay, because you know that's she's fair. That's she's fair. gone, right? Maybe that's the last 
piece of the when, puzzle. That when to when he on. orders the hit, she's gone. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it broke his heart. Yeah, it crushed him. But he believed it was the right thing to do. It was the thing that he needed to do. He needed to get her out of the picture completely and permanently. Okay. Um, he finds out that that never happened. So now he's got this whole other rage that's building. Not just against her, but also against Tyr. Now against Tyr, yeah. Okay. And it isn't until he believes that she is... She's on the way out now, laying in the in the, in the the bed there on med deck. Yeah. He believes she is going to die now. And now he says... This is the part where he starts thinking that all of these weapons of death that he's made, he wished that he had made some sort of an instrument for life. Something that could save a life instead of take it. Yeah. Okay? And it's not until he actually sees her when he believes that she is actually going to die. Even though he's the one that ordered, that ordered the hit on her. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say that's a, okay. that's a valid valid argument or a valid point Okay. in his, uh, in his growth. But I think, okay, that's, that's part of what had to happen for him to show some growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, you're right. It did have to happen in order for that to happen. But I'm just saying, what if that had never happened? If he had never seen that, he had never been confronted with that. Would he just continue to carry that that rage and that anger with him for the rest of his life well we can't say one way or the other but yeah there would not have been that healing process Mm -hmm. had he not come on board andromeda and things unfolded as they had okay yeah he he'd still be sitting in his palatial mansion uh counting his credits his quatloos or whatever they have Mm -hmm. what are they using have we ever established what they're actually using? Gilders? Gilders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Counting his gilders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, At least that's what Sid uses. Right. Yeah. Right. And nursing his pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, right. Until some future day where he, either he, he comes out of his funk and decides to make a change, or, or yeah, maybe he just becomes an old man with no hair, thankfully, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and passes on. Okay. The point is, I don't care what would have happened to future Bartolome. I just know what I saw in this episode. Right. And he became a better man for it. Okay. That's fair. Okay. I, I can accept that. Can we move on to the Tyr and Desiree? Sure. It, do we want to talk about them together or individually? Or yes. Let's just mix it up. Yeah. Let's mix it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Desiree. Okay. First of all, most beautiful woman in the universe. Um, I mean, I, she was I, she was attractive. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm saying, these guys, for all of Bartholomew's power and wealth, and tears gallivanting about around the galaxy, it really, <laughs> that's that's the one, huh? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, to each his own. Mm-hmm. What did you think about her personally as a character? Oh, she was confusing. <laughs> as all get out. <laughs> yes. I, I'll just yes, say I, I understood that. her just as well as I understand any other woman I've ever met. It, you took the words right from my mouth. Oh, because we understand each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And to our to our female listeners, that's not a slight on any no, of you. No, no, it is not a slam. It's we we yeah. know. We yeah. all accept. 
in this room and and those of you listening. Yeah, just it's funny. Just today, I saw a meme on come across my Facebook. It was a sign that said top 10 things men understand about women and it was just the uh, numbers one through 10 and they were blank nothing there <laughs> yeah. no i and i i wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment mm-hmm. and so therefore we have a character that while she's on the screen i'm just like oh, why am i why do i feel nervous oh yeah this is what happens when i'm in the room with my wife and she's angry <laughs> with me and i don't know why <laughs> this is the same feeling <laughs> amazing anyway yeah uh-huh. <laughs> Um, you know what? This was this was actually kind of cool. The way they hid the true nature of their relationship and just gave us a little bit by bit until finally at the very end, um, we find out that okay, not only did he go to kill her and then fall in love with her because that's that's the story that Bartholomew tells. Um, then we later we find out they've actually known each other since childhood. Yeah. They were, they're both Kodiak. Which, okay, can we address that little detail right there? Okay. Tyr says to her, I, 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 if I remember the quote correctly, I want you now the same way I did when I first saw you playing outside of your dad's house. Okay. I, I don't know what the rules are in Nietzschean culture. I, 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 I take it that they're close to the same age, right? Yeah, I definitely think so. But it sounds to me, and maybe it's just my mind going there, it sounds to me like he's describing when they were very young. Mm-hmm. So Tyr, at a very young age, is like, yeah, you're going to be my wife. <laughs> That's almost what that sounds like. Oh, sure. That's kind of creepy. Is it? I don't know. You never did it's that when a- you were a little kid? You saw a girl and it was just like, oh, I love her. Oh, I had crushes. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. The way Tyr presents that is just like, yeah. And it, it felt... It felt... Um, I don't know. I, it made me a little uncomfortable. It, obviously, it didn't make you uncomfortable. No. Does it make you uncomfortable that I wasn't uncomfortable? Not necessarily, okay. because now in, in looking at you as I'm saying this and mm-hmm. seeing the expression on your face, I guess I was wrong. I was coming at it from a, a wrong perspective, I guess. So I, I I'm willing to accept that. Okay. Um, because, yeah, you're right. At a young age, you can have a crush on And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only boy in my kindergarten class Mm. that led to some, yeah, that (laughs) was some, that was an interesting time. I bet. But anyway, (laughs) that's not what this discussion is about. So anyway, going back to Tyr and Desiree, Mm -hmm. um, she was Kodiak. Yeah. That was kind of a bombshell too. Yeah, it was a big one, especially since this whole time it has been our belief. And because Tyr led us all to believe he was the last Kodiak. The only one left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, what was the what was the argument between the two of them? Tyr wanted to marry her, and she said something along the lines of, "Well, if the matriarch was still around, she could arrange that." Mm-hmm. Was she basically saying that they could not be joined together because they don't have a matriarch? So they're mm-hmm. so they're both Kodiak. Yeah. They are male and female. They could continue the Kodiak line, but for logistical reasons mm-hmm. or or administrative reasons they they can't get together and continue the kodiak line yeah i mean it sounds like she's holding to the rules pretty hard yeah i would have to say and i mean but but is she 
No. <laughs> no. Because she's basically saying... She's forsaken her entire Nietzschean heritage. Yeah, she's turned her back on it. Yeah. And that that's even, that's like the worst thing you can do as a Nietzsche. That was like, to me, watching it, that was like an even bigger bombshell. Yeah. To be revealed Kodiak, and then I'm not going to continue the line. I'm I'm not waiting for mm-hmm. you. That was interesting. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting call. Well, isn't... Um, Thus contributing to the confusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Sabra? Isn't uh, Tyr a Sabra now? Oh yeah! Then he get yeah, joined he, in. He, he got, got joined in. Yeah, with um, what's her name? Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Yeah, what's her name? Um, <clears throat> so and there's still a matriarch out there somewhere, for, and maybe that's the problem. Is we know that as an audience because we saw that final scene in that episode where the matriarch was still holding Tears' baby. Right. As far as everybody else is concerned. Uh, they all got wiped out. So maybe yeah. maybe Tears just trying to hold up that pretense. Okay, okay, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you have two by blood Kodiak. Yeah, they by all rights, if you're going to hold to Nietzschean rule, Nietzschean law, they have to be together. Isn't she the matriarch? I, you know what? That's a valid point. Yeah, if you have to have a matriarch, why not her? Mm-hmm. She seems strong-willed enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could just declare herself in that position, and they could build their own, build their own line. Yeah, it seemed like she was in fear of someone else, though. Was it the other yeah. Nietzschean prides? Possibly, because it wasn't it all the Nietzschean prides that came together to turn on Kodiak? Mm-hmm. So maybe they just didn't feel like it was worth putting themselves into that that spot again. You know, she accuses him of of his love for her not being tested. Right. Which he takes offense to. Yes. Right. Um in and, and again, it's all Nietzschean stuff, and so maybe we don't understand all of it. But you know, I also kind of have to wonder Tyr is procre- proclaiming his true love for her always has been always will be but he also married another woman and had a baby freya freya that's her name Good that's job. what's her name yeah thank you right yes. nailed it right um so i i wonder did we not see the conversation or is there a conversation where he tells her yeah i had a wife also my son is the genetic reincarnation of drago musevni Right. Or Museveni, depending mm-hmm. on who's speaking. Mm-hmm. But it's here, so Museveni. Um, the Nietzschean Messiah, I made him. Right. So, <laughs> does that mean anything? Yeah. You know? Well, obviously not. He decides not to have that conversation with her. It seems like a conversation you should have. Uh, and again, I'm looking at this from a kludge standpoint. But if I am trying to court a woman... Wait, wasn't it great that we got that reference again? Oh, yeah, about... Mispronounced, but, you know. Yeah. Did, what does she call them? Klugs? <laughs> Did she say Klugs? I, I don't know. I missed okay. that. All right. Yeah, you're talking about Becca? No. Oh. When when uh, Desiree puts her head down on uh, Tyr's chest, and she says, oh, that's okay. just a name for the Klugs. Kluges. Oh, okay. She might have said Kluges. Okay. Anyway, I thought I misheard. Oh, okay. 
I thought you were talking about the conversation. Klugs. I think she says Klugs. Oh, okay. No, I thought, I, now I want to go back and watch, but anyway. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the conversation between Becca and Tyr, which was a callback to their discussion of whether or not he could ever be with a human woman. Yeah. Yeah, that is something I wanted to touch on just a little okay. bit, too. All right, I'll back off. Sorry. No, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Um, it was your thought. Finish it. Well, I had finished it. Oh, okay. But if you have more... No, no, no more on that. Oh, okay. So, do we want to talk about Tyr and Becca? That's what I was talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're on the same page again. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, conversation, the little moment they had between each other. Um, but, man, Tyr disses Becca hard. Yeah. Again. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing new to yeah. see here, folks. But, um, anyway... Wow, that was rough. Mm -hmm. And it looked like it stung just a little bit in Becca's expression. Yeah. Stung almost as much as finding out that Dylan can override security mode. (laughs) Man, this was a rough episode for Becca, wasn't it? She's just learning all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that's not that great. Uh, So really, I don't know if y'all are playing the home game, you the listener. Uh, Early on, we were looking at uh, Dylan maybe becoming the Kirk-like character, right? Woman in every port. Mm -hmm. Started to seem like that might be happening. Mm -hmm. I think Tears got one up on on old Dylan right now. Maybe. As far as uh, love interests. Mm -hmm. He's he's definitely becoming the more Kirk-like figure in this story. What is the expression, old love him and leave him Kirk? Yeah. Uh, Tears not doing this. When, I mean, Tear falls, and he falls hard, right? He mm-hmm. makes he makes commitments. Yeah. He doesn't just, he doesn't just chase after women all over the galaxy, all willy-nilly like. I mean, his, his... Right, but he, he falls for Freya. Mm-hmm. While he's got this woman on Elba. Mm-hmm. Elba 9. You know, that, he, he apparently, there was not a, there was not a, oh, of course, I guess... Taking multiple wives is yeah. something that Nietzscheans do. I, mm-hmm. I forget that point. That I forget that point. Yeah. So taking that into consideration, I, I guess he could say his love was tested, mm-hmm. and he felt like he still deserved her. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though he has another love, right? That he's had a child with, right? But she's dead. Well, that is true. Mm-hmm. That it. Well, yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we put all the threads together, okay, I guess that makes a little more sense to me. Okay, I I still want to say it's he he's he's getting more action than Dylan is right now. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> all right, Ryan. So we've gone through the particulars of this episode. Now we have, uh, I believe, we did have a quote at the beginning of this one to talk about. We do. What do we got here? Okay, I'm going to try. To not sing this. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> she wounds you. No, she she wounds you as a rose will wound you. Not with her thorn. A rose will always wound you with her beauty. Harry Martinson, Commonwealth Year, 68-62. Or 19, circa 1940s. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our calendar. Mm-hmm. There you go. The Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar. There you are. All right. The good old Gregorian. Yep. All right. So, oh, yeah, there's a quote here to talk about. Yeah, there sure is. 
Uh, yep. She wounds you as a rose will wound you, not with her thorn. A rose will always wound you with her beauty. It almost sounds like a Beatles song. Don't you dare. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have, I have offended you. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. You know that my love for the Beatles grows deep and strong. I Yes, mm-hmm. I understand this. <laughs> no, but it is it is taken from a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, and as with most poems, I don't read them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. I'm not a poet, so yeah. there you go. Okay. Well, you don't have to be a poet to appreciate poetry. That's true. Yeah. This poem is... It's pretty straightforward. We got a love story. Yeah. And you knew that, seeing that quote going into this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, except I don't completely agree with it. Really? Why not? Well, if you're using a rose as a metaphor for a woman, the rose, I'm sorry, it does not wound you with its beauty. I have a rose bush on the fence in my backyard. And I have to be very, very careful when I mow around it. Yeah. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt by its beauty. <laughs> it's because those thorns will snag and rip the tar out of whatever it grabs a hold of. That's true. Yeah. 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 And in uh, Desiree's case, it, it wasn't a thorn. You're right. Mm-hmm. It was a crystal shard. <laughs> yes. That's right. Which was quite beautiful. It, in its own way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I think Kalel's going to want that back, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those are his family memories in that. Mm-hmm. She's just shooting people with it. Um, y- you know, even still, I don't know that it's it's her beauty that wounds either Bartholomew or Tyr, right? They They fell for her, presumably, because of her beauty. They fell for the most beautiful woman in the universe. Oh, Without question, but it, it it was it was what she did later that really wounded them, right? Because they fall in love with her. Uh, as I said, first of all, probably they were drawn to her by her beauty, but they fall in love with the person that is Desiree or that is Medea, right? Right? Yeah, her her Kodiak name, right? Yeah. Um, but then in the end, she rejects them. Yes, that's what wounds them. Yeah, it's the loss of her. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I guess you could you could kind of put it this way. Okay, part of her beauty is her uh, self confidence, her independence, and that is what allows her to make the decision to not um, continue with either one of these individuals. So, if you want to go that direction with it, you could almost make an argument for it is her person, her her beauty as a person. That wounds them because of the decision that she ultimately has to make for herself. Hmm. Okay. Are we there? Did we kind of get there? Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a reach for me. Maybe you're spot on, but. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I And I realize what they're, I think I realize what they're trying to do here. Uh, and I just, I don't completely agree with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, to each his own. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't personally think she's the most beautiful person in the universe. Or yeah, beautiful woman in the universe. Yeah, but but even still, I mean, let's let's pretend like she and, is. I just think it's it's the thorns of her actions. The thorns are her bone blades, which she didn't actually have. Right. 
So is, is that what we got for the quote? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we've exhausted that one. Okay. Let's move on. All right. Uh, Ryan? Mm-hmm. And your heart will fly away. You know, I look at the title of this episode, and I just say, Ugh. <laughs> But here's a redeeming quality about that title. Okay. They actually say it in the episode. They do say it in the episode. So, you know what? Anytime you can say the name of the episode in the episode... That's a good episode. That's a winner right there. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's automatically going to give it one more point, right? So, so that, get, that gets it to what? Well, let's start opinion? with one. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, as I we were approaching this episode, and I was thinking about what was going to happen in it, and all I could picture in my head was the giant floating Dylan, which we didn't even talk about that at all. Why would we? <sighs> okay. Well, right there. Why would you even have that in the episode? It was it was weak. It was weird. Okay, it, it was it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was poorly executed, and it was kind of pointless. Yeah, and and I didn't really like the way Dylan handled it. the 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 writing for his dialogue in that. Yeah. Um, prepare to fire on me. Okay. You know, I'm waiting for everyone in the bridge to turn and put their rifles on him. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Pre- prepare to fire on me. Yeah. Careful with your words there. You got a bunch of of newbie crew members on this ship. They may have just walked in. Yeah. And they don't like you anyway. (laughs) Right. I mean, they could have standing orders from the Commonwealth. If Dylan ever gives you the go-ahead to take him out, take it. Yeah, take the shot. Right. Okay, so poor poor choice of words. Here's the thing that we like to do, that we say we don't like to do, but we like to do it anyway. Rewrite episodes? Rewrite the episode. Okay. Would it have made more sense... Had the Eidolon pieces come together as some sort of miniaturized Andromeda? Yeah. Or a full-sized Andromeda? Yeah. Or maybe even a supermassive Andromeda. There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, how tall was Dylan? 12 kilometers or 11 kilometers? No, he was. that's how far away he was. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Um, 700 meters okay. tall. So you could have made... With the rest of normal human proportions. Proportions. Right. With a few more blueberries. Words are hard. And words are hard. With a few more blueberry nerds. Yeah. You could have made a full-sized Andromeda. Yeah. That would have been a cool square off and would have made way more sense than a giant floating Dylan. Yeah. Or a or an Aatrox. Yes. You know what? Hey, right there. Kill two birds with one stone. There you go. And have an episode that's probably a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, floating Dylan. That was a that was a miss for you. Oh uh, yeah. All right. What else you got? All right. So, so we're down a point. Yeah, I think so. So we're back to zero. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> and you know, I mean, that's just that's what I say. Is that that was the thing that I remembered coming into this, and it's just an eye roller moment. Just uh, okay. We got to deal with that floating. But you know what? I mean, it was such a small part of the episode. Really. Okay. Yeah. It, it it came. It went. We don't talk about it again, really. Right, it just right. happens, and then it doesn't happen anymore. Okay. Um, and as I go through the episode, I think that there are a lot of things that are just poorly done, poorly written, that I think could have been better, and I think this could have been a much better episode. I, I do like the idea that we learn some more things about um, Tyr and the Kodiak pride in general. There's a little bit more history that we find out that we never knew, and we probably would never know if it's not for this episode. 
Whether that ever comes into play ever again, um, can't say. We don't know at this point. Uh, but it's cool to learn something. I, at the same time, it's also, it feels, it feels like it was retconned. Because there are a lot of things that kind of go against some of our preconceived ideas of the Nietzscheans and of the Kodiak Pride in particular, Tears history, um, all of these things, because now all of a sudden there's this girl from his past that none of us have ever seen or ever heard of or heard about anything. So let's go ahead and build a story that was never there before. In you know, you can do that sometimes, and if you can do that in a way that that covers all the bases and makes sense, then why not? Go ahead and continue to build that world. Yeah. But I do I did get the feeling that they were retconning. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you can feel that work being done, then it doesn't feel real. And and I I'm left with the question. Well, what are you trying to do here? Right, right. And are you are you trying to retcon this because you are trying to build a, a bigger piece of this world and this universe and build these pieces for these characters, or are you doing it just simply for this one episode? And if it's just for this one episode, then that's kind of pretty disappointing. Yeah, because you're you're changing the world that you've already built for no other purpose than to make one episode that is quite frankly not all that good and not that important. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have to come down I don't want to I don't want to come down too hard on this because I actually in watching this and reviewing it I found myself not hating it as much as I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> or as, as as I remembered that I was going to. Okay. You know Bartolome, I don't like him. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that because he's a villain and I'm not, I'm not supposed to like him. I mean just as a character, I don't like him. He's They don't give you a whole lot to connect with. No. And he just comes off as just crazy for crazy's sake. You yes. know what I mean? And it, I like it when a villain, they give you something to understand why he is the way he is. Yeah. And with him, it's just, he's just crazy. The woman left him, and so he wants to kill her, and that's totally normal to him. Yeah. I need I need a little bit more. Why is this, why, why does he tick the way he does? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, I'm going to quit talking about it. So there, there it is, right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super crazy about this episode at all. Okay. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I still don't think it was bad. I don't think it was as bad as uh, what was last was the last one for whom the bell tolls. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We're up a little bit from last time. Okay, okay. <laughs> so my thoughts on it. Uh, I'm right there with you. We we got some interesting look into uh, Nietzschean culture again, tears culture and background as a Kodiak. So I I like that. That, that was good, uh, and I enjoyed getting that little bit of background uh, and character development out of Tear. Here's the thing, though. We've had some really good Tear episodes, as in basically Keith Hamilton Cobb, and he was, I mean, we, we had our other characters 
interspersed at the beginning and end of the story, but we've had Keith Hamilton Cobb basically anchoring whole episodes. What was the one where he was uh, on the uh, the Fishmonger planet? Yeah, uh, that was one of my favorite ones, and I suddenly can't a- remember the, the name of it. Eight or nine, whatever it was, of the first mm-hmm. season. And yeah, we got a fantastic episode where Tear is the center of the story. Music of a Distant Drum. Music of a dist- Distant Drum. Yeah, that was a great episode in which Keith Hamilton Cobb was basically the only the only part of the crew that we saw for most of that episode. I feel like that's what they should have done here. Because we got our crew, they were there, but not really. They were wasted. And when I say the crew was wasted, as we alluded to earlier, even the background crew is kind of pointless. You know, why are they there? You know, they're, they're not really doing anything. They wander off at odd times. They're not keeping an eye on, you know, crazy guests mm-hmm. that come on board. You know, why? why? And I feel that way, it, that, he, that, distur- that disservice that they pay to the crew even extends to our main crew, Dylan, Becca, Harper, trance. We haven't had a good trance episode in a while either. It seems like mm-hmm. in any case, I feel like our, our group is, is kind of put off to the side in favor of tier. And while that's not necessarily been a bad thing in the past, this wasn't a strong enough story uh, across the board. And it, it just felt weak for that fact. So I did like the fact that we got more about Tyr and Kodiak, but the crew is wasted. The episode feels very insular. You know, we, we don't really go anywhere. We don't really do anything. It's all right there on board and a little bit on... Uh, Elba 9. Elba 9. There, mm-hmm. there it is. <laughs> and Why it, do they call it Hoth? They should call it Kolf. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so it that was that was kind of a detractor. Um, I still come back to the fact that I feel like it wasn't explained to me fully enough, so that it almost feels like if they're not breaking the rules, they're starting to push very close to breaking their own rules for the sake of just getting an episode mm-hmm. out. And really, the the bottom line is, it was a soap opera. It was a love triangle soap opera with all of the trappings of kind of somewhat poor acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about the, the guest stars, um, but I don't, we've had better guest stars. Some of that acting was, was weak and that may not be the actor's fault. That may be the director's fault or it may be the writing. I mean, this is the first, this is the first and only time we get this writer. So I, I feel like there's a lot of things that are working against this episode being good. And so it's very easy for me to say it wasn't a great episode. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. <laughs> On a subsequent rewatch, I won't ever come back to it, I don't think. Now, that being said, there were some lessons that I took away from it. Okay. One of those being, don't let your pain consume you. Let it go. And the other thing comes from a 1980s pop song that I happen to love. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Michael Jackson. No, wait, that was Batman. <laughs> uh, good quote. Oh, okay. Good lyrics, but not what I was thinking of. Oh. This one comes from Sting. Okay. From uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles. Okay. Uh, free, free, set them free. If you love somebody, set them free. And that's what I take away from this episode. Mm. A good message. They tried, but ultimately this thing falls Pretty flat, in my opinion. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, because we've had like three in a row where we've gotten to the end of it, and it's been like, eh, it was an episode. 
Yeah. That's, it's been kind of rough, man. Yeah, yeah, it has a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully, man, hopefully it, it picks up at some point here. Yeah, I, I think it has to at some point. Keep watching. Is that what we're coming to? Well, yeah. I mean, we've we've committed. We've got a we've got a show to do. Yeah, yeah. So we so, will be watching. Yeah. I just I hope it picks up. Okay. Well, that's us. We've put in our two guilders. On, on this episode. So, if somebody else would like to get a hold of us and let us, let us know what they think, how might they be able to do that, Ethan? Well, they could do so by sending us an email. And that email could come to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at AndromedaPod, on those, both of those uh, social media sites. Our home is on Podbean, andromedaseries.podbean.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes... Uh, leave us some stars and a review. Helps keeps us keeps us relevant, and we certainly appreciate that. And also on our home on Podbean, we do have a tip jar that if you would like to uh, leave a few quatloos there, that would be appreciated as well. And if I can jump in for just a second, yeah. Ryan, and interrupt you, I just want to make mention, uh, we did recently uh, get some support from Ray, mm-hmm. a friend of the show. He's contributed uh, uh, to with some emails and stuff in the past. He's been a longtime listener of the show. And, uh, and he is a supporter of the show. And so I just wanted to butt in right here, right quick, and just say thank you, mm-hmm. Ray, for being a supporter of the show. But even more importantly, really appreciated the message that you left for us. Um, because I know for myself personally, uh, I feel the same way. There are certain podcasts that I listen to, and whenever I see them populate my, my feed, um, they go to the top of my list. And, and I'm ready to listen to those. And so it was really cool to hear, to know that there is someone else out there that looks at our podcast and kind of views it the same way. That that gave me the warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Ray, uh, for for supporting us and uh, and and for for dropping us a line. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for loaning his voice to us for the opening quote in this episode, as he does in many episodes. Uh, Drive Back Tonight is an Age of Geek production. Uh, there's some new stuff going on over at Age of Geek. Of Age of Geek. Yes, there is. is. There not? Uh, yeah, we have uh, new issues of the Age of Geek podcast itself. Plus, we're also hosting those guys over at uh, Cafe Cinema Radio. Yep. So give them a listen, too. Good stuff. Give it, Check them out, too. And we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at The Unconquerable Man. Yeah.